0: everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are unfortunately Jeff Lavecchio-less for this one but we do have reinforcements so there will still be three of us on the podcast and we are bringing on sean coffee and george hughes who are the hosts of an awesome awesome podcast called Next Shift Hockey. Uh, George and Sean are both awesome hockey guys as well. Uh, Sean is an agent in uh, the pro hockey business for Cortex Management. Uh, George has his hands in the hockey world as well, and he coaches midget hockey out in mid-Fairfield. Two guys that both uh, spent some time at St. Lawrence University, one of uh, my foes playing in college hockey. Uh, but two great hockey guys and we're so so excited to have them on the podcast here. So uh boys, how are we doing? That
1: was surreal.
2: <laughs> it really was.
1: Pleasure <laughs> really was. pleasure to be on. Yeah. am
0: <laughs>
2: pumped pump to be here, Tolfer. Thanks.
1: I gotta so much. ask, do you do you have it memorized by now?
0: I do <laughs> have it memorized. But I think I do. Dude, we So dude, we, we've, I mean, we're, I mean, I think 181, yeah. two, three episodes into this now and it's November. So I, I, I'm going to have to look back at when the first one came out, but I would imagine it's right around three years about like this week or so. Yeah. So good planning. I should probably know when our three-year anniversary is, but.
2: <laughs> well, I'm yeah. a, I'm a day, I'm a day one uh, hockey think tank. Guy. I used to listen to a driving to do uh, back and forth in Boston for hockey tournaments. So. And I said this uh I say this all the time on our podcast that the next shift wouldn't
0: exist without without you guys. So great job by you Trailblazers. paving the way. Uh I appreciate that, guys. It's uh it's been a long journey, as you guys know. It's uh, a lot of work goes into this. Uh the plan is George George wouldn't, know.
1: George wouldn't <laughs> yeah, know.
0: I would say that about Vex too. <laughs> yeah, <I figured. laughs> but you no, know, it's uh it, I mean, as you like the The best part about it is being able to talk hockey with with good hockey people and and even beyond that because it, both of our podcasts are hockey podcasts but they go so much farther into personal development and mentorship and and all of these things that could be applicable to any parts of all of our lives and so I know that's a big part of what your guys' podcast is about and we'll get into that a little bit later uh, but do want to introduce you guys to the listeners and I thought it would be fun to kind of riff a little bit because you two guys are from two big hockey markets george you are from the one and only chicago uh, and sean you are from the boston area and it's really, really interesting because I feel like a lot of people in youth hockey are always kind of stuck in their own bubble. Like all they really know is their area. The like Boston people think everything is like it is in Boston. Chicago people think everything is like it is in, in Chicago. Toronto people think it's like, you know, everything like it is. And it's just you go to any part of the country and it's just so much different how the landscape changes how people think about the game, how much pressure there is about people in the game in, in youth hockey. Uh I, I would say Boston's a I don't want to say is a bit of a mess right now, but there's certainly a bit of a mess right now when it comes to, to youth hockey. And um we so don't have I'm, any refs
1: to, to <laughs> ref games. <laughs>
0: that is true. That is true. Chicago, we're we're short here too. But um, so I wanted to kind of talk about your guys's upbringing in the game. Um, and George, I'll start with you because you're the Chicago guy. So we'll give you first crack at it. But uh, we grew up in, in similar towns, uh, a couple towns across from each other. So talk to us a little bit about growing up in, in Chicago and and how that led to you, you being a, a big time hockey guy.
2: 100%. I actually grew up watching uh, Topher Scott here playing for uh, CYA and, uh, you know, the Chicago seal, the USHL. Seriously, seriously, though. But uh, yeah, so Grew up playing for the uh, Highland Park Falcons and Glenview Stars.
0: As did I. Uh, yeah, some great,
2: yeah. some great organizations. I'm not sure what our my hockey rankings were back then, but I'm gonna say top five, <laughs> top five. But um, no. And then uh, I think a pivotal moment for me, Topher, and um, I know you've talked about this before with uh, with Jeff on your podcast is, um, you know, I, I got cut from every AAA hockey team in Chicago, and you know that was a uh, that was my first taste of adversity in hockey, and you know, I, I took it personally as uh, Michael Jordan likes to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like <the> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was a big deal to me because I, you know, I really believed in myself as a player and all my friends got to keep playing on these teams. And um, it, it was just tough, but you know, I just, I stuck with it. I ended up playing double A hockey for uh, the Glenview stars in Glenview. And looking back, it was probably one of the best things ever happened to me because I, I learned how to you know, control the game and kind of be the guy out there with the puck. So looking back in terms of development, I I just thought it was, um, it was big for me. And it just put a, you know, put a fire in me. So uh, that was big and then ended up, you know, at playing prep school, New England prep school and uh, at at the Taft School, which was great under uh, Dan Murphy, a great coach who's now at St. Paul's. Played one year in the USHL, which was another big adversity moment for me. <laughs> for under <everybody. laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, you know, that was so hard because I got there and I just wasn't ready for the the size, the physicality, the uh, the speed of play. And I thought I was going to be sent packing, but you know, just stuck with it just because uh, you know we love the game and um, it actually made the transition to the NCAA pretty. I don't want to say easy, but it certainly you know it helped getting through that. So I had four great years at. St. Lawrence, where I was with, uh, with Sean Coffey and one year of, uh, you know, one year of pro, I signed a, a PTO in San Antonio, the AHL. Just, I'll just say I just wasn't ready to be a pro and then uh, ended up in uh, Bakersfield, the ECHL. So long winded uh, hockey journey, but it, it was a ride, that's for sure.
0: dude they're all long-winded and (laughs) most of them have a lot of twists and turns along the way right i I do want to go back to something that you said and i'll bring sean in here too because so we had this hockey think tank conference a few years back and one of the things that we did is we had an agent panel so we had three agents uh come and you know the people who were there we had a bunch of coaches a bunch of parents and kids like that were all there which was really really cool and one of the agents, I won't say who, because he is a competitor of yours. <laughs> um, but one of the agents got asked a question. Oh, I saw got, it on
1: YouTube. So I know.
0: Oh, okay. So there we yeah, go.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but uh, so, you know, he got asked a question. I don't remember what the question was, but the answer to the question that he gave was like, there is something about being the guy and how everybody wants to rush to the next level. You know, whether it's younger and it's double A AA to triple A, George, kind of like what you're talking about, whether it's to midget hockey or midget hockey to junior hockey or junior hockey to pro or junior hockey to college or college to pro, everybody wants to just go as fast as they can and get to that next level as fast as they can, when in reality, there's something to be said about being the guy on your team and taking it a little bit slower. So as an agent in that business and, you know, your job is, is to provide advice and, and provide the path um, for, for a lot of these, these kids and young men growing up, Sean, what would you say to that? And, and what would you say to our listeners?
1: I agree because I was, <clears throat> I was never the guy, uh, which meant that I put a lot of my, validation as a player into the external factors. okay now i'm I'm playing in the USHL so that must mean I'm good or I, I played on the the 88 Boston Junior Eagles, which was the best team uh, around here. I was the worst player on the team. Um, but f- from a development standpoint at a young age playing with great players I think gave me a ton of confidence as maybe a, a shy and big and a little awkward you know, 12, 13, 14 year old, but over time, if you don't have that opportunity to be the guy, because I was always leaving early. I left prep school when no one was leaving prep school after 10th grade. Um, And when I was in the USHL, it was, you know, it's, it's fight, it's fight or flight, it's sink or swim. And I, I did, I just kind of fought my way through it, you know, metaphorically and actually, and I think your development definitely stalls. But at the same time, I had tons of pride. You know, I came home and I I was really proud that I was getting by in that league. But looking back from a development standpoint, I don't. It didn't help me. It it helped me as a person and having that confidence and learning how to deal with that adversity. But when George and I finally crossed paths at Northeastern, I was, you know, he was a, a full scholarship, ended up being all American. I was a kid who was probably a name that a lot of people said, geez, what happened to this, this guy? Um, I decommitted from Brown uh, a year or two after committing there and things went sideways and get traded to different leagues. And I maybe had one stretch in the North American hockey league, my 20 year old year where it was, you know, Hey, whatever happens, happens. I might not even be a division one player anymore, but it was the most fun I'd ever had. And because I was the guy, Oh, power play going out. And I'm, if anyone's ever seen me, I'm not a power play guy. <laughs> um, but it was so fun to be able to, to just enjoy the game like that after grinding it out. And, uh, and then when I got to St. Lawrence, I think I just ran out of gas. I didn't uh, have anything left to overcome some of the, some of the things that were standing in my way to get into the lineup there. And, you know, George and George and I were roommates, and you know he could do whatever he wanted, like the longest leash I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I was on this tiny, tiny leash, but at the at the time, it's like, buddy, you're a walk-on. He's a full, full scholarship guy. Like well, you have, you can't be on the same program as him. Um, but it was great for me because I think over time I realized, hey, this isn't going to work here. I need to just focus on being a good teammate and being a good friend to my roommate. And I think in a lot of ways, George, you know, helping you probably to a fault for myself. Cause I, I stopped focusing on myself. It was more, how can I help you get to that next level? I think it probably started to groom me for what I do now.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. And, uh, it's so weird that just everybody's got a different path. Right. And and every path is so freaking different. And yeah. there's no right way or wrong way. I mean, even in your answer, Sean, you talk about like, Hey, like when I wasn't the best player on the team, it was a good thing for me because I had to fight adversity. Yeah. But then when I got to be the best player on the team and I got all that time, it was great for me as well. And yeah. I, it's almost like, um, and, and, and I talk about this all the time. It's like, it's not what happens to you that really matters. It's how you deal with and how you choose to react to the things that happen to you that really matters. And yeah. and I know when you guys were at St. Lawrence, you, you had, you know, good years and, and you're always really hard to play against and things like that. And you, you need all those different types of players on a team. Like yeah. you need the, the star players and the all Americans and the full scholarship kids. You need uh, the kids that might not be getting as much playing time. And that's the, but, but our great teammates and work their ass off and get in it every once in a while or w- like whatever it may be. And, and that, that goes from the NHL all the way down to might hockey, to be honest, like, yeah. and granted might hockey, you shouldn't have like guys not playing shifts or anything <laughs> like that, but um it, it just, but that's the, that's the thing everybody. that the
1: game, that's the thing the game gives everyone. If you have the perspective is it gives everyone the, you know, you hear a lot about like, be the, be the hero in your own movie, but it's really just the hero's journey. Like you, you take so much from it. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I'm i interviewing for jobs out of college at a management consulting firm. And, you know, they, all these questions tell me about a time when, and, you know, I tell them about the time where I get loaned to Green Bay, have to move out of a house that I've lived at for two and a half years. And I'm, crying on the way to Green Bay. I get to Green Bay for a month. I move in with a new family I played terribly. Green Bay tells me go back to Sioux City. Sioux City tells me go home we're trading you to the EJ like the wheels totally falling off and I I tell the story to the interviewer and you know being at the age now I mean if I was hiring someone and they tell me these stories about what they dealt with, it's uh, that's why you get hired. You know, um, so these instances where when you're young, it feels like the world is ending uh, over time with perspective. It's there. They really are what kind of defines you and, and what gives you confidence in your adult life and your next shift. Go ahead, George.
2: Yeah. and I mean, going back to Sean, he really was a guy in practice that would block my shot on the power play over and over. And I would just keep <laughs> shooting at him. And I might blocking. have been I might have been the best. Penalty killer in the ECAC yeah, that, was, that year that never played.
1: No, seriously. I'm confident, I'm confident in saying that, George.
2: No, but uh, seriously, you know, I was looking back on my own college career and Sean kind of hinted at it. I could get away with anything. I, I think I got complacent when I got to St. Lawrence with my, my hockey career. Like, you know, I could go out and play well, but I could also go out, party, and get into stuff that probably wasn't beneficial to my hockey career. So looking back, you know, I think I had some ego issues, Topher. And I think I had some serious maturity issues. I was worried about being liked more than maybe being a leader. So I, I would do a lot of things different, but everyone matures, I think at, you know, different points in their life. And I feel like all the things that I did wrong in my hockey career, I'm trying to do right in, in my, you know, quote unquote, next shift in, our, in my life after hockey. So you live and you learn, but You know, Colby Cohen said it on our podcast, you know, you might not know how much you love the game until you might not have it. And that kind of hit me hard when it ended and and I got to pro hockey and, you know, I just wasn't ready to be a pro. I really wasn't. I was uh, I had, you know, I had body language issues. I remember being in the American Hockey League on a tryout and uh, I had a bad shift and I like slammed my stick and threw my water bottle. And after the game, I remember Brendan Nash coming up to me, a Cornell guy, and he just looked at me and he goes, Hey, we don't do that here. And that just really, you know, hit me pretty hard. And uh, so, just guy kidding. And it, no, I know it's ridiculous, yeah. but. Nasher's I mean, is as cool
0: as a cucumber yeah. too. Oh no, like, but there's no, uh, uh, there's no highs and
2: lows with him. <laughs> this, is, this is my message is though, like I had a good college career. I scored a hundred points as a defenseman and I thought I was owed something at the next level. And we all know this. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what you do in the past, you know, you're, you're not really owed anything. So that, that, um, I had to learn that the hard way.
0: I think we all do at some point, yeah. you know, it might not be the same, you know, scenario or same thing that we're working through, but I, there, I think there's very few people that in this world and anything, but especially in, in sports that don't look back and say, you know, I wish I could have, or would have done X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and that's why I think it's, it's really good to talk about this stuff. It's almost like a therapy session, honestly, which is nice to get shit out of the chest. Always, once a
1: week, that's what yeah, we do.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but also I think it's really good for a lot of kids who are coming up to, to hear this kind of stuff too, because the more stories like this that come about, because like, getting to high levels of hockey is really hard and grueling and tough. And <laughs> like everybody has yeah. some sort of regrets. And there's very few people, if any, that can really truly look in the mirror and say, I had no regrets or I wish I would have done something differently. And for me it was, I wish I would have enjoyed it more. Like I loved hockey. I gave everything I had to it and it was almost a, a blessing and a curse because I wanted it so bad that it hampered me because everybody needs to take a step back and enjoy what they're doing to be really good at at what they're doing and i didn't do that a whole heck of a lot and i should have and had i um had i like i don't want to say not taking it as seriously but had i like not put so much pressure on the journey um it, i i would have been a lot closer to reaching my potential um, than then ever, because I remember like when I was a kid and when I was growing up and there wasn't this junior hockey pressure going, making sure to get to college or wanting to get the pro or whatever, I was at the top of where my potential was like not even close. Like that's when I, my pure love and joy for the game. And that's not to say I didn't love it and enjoy it at, at other times when, when I was older and playing at the higher levels, But there was this added pressure that I always felt about having to be at my best because I was five foot four and I kind of put pressure on myself to have to be, which was part of the reason why I was good, but also part of the reason why I didn't achieve all of the things that I wanted to either. And that would be my kind of like looking back regret would be like, I wish I would have just enjoyed it. a little bit more and not been so singularly focused and pressurized about making sure I was the best, you know, I, it's just, I've, I've thought about that so much. And I've,
1: I've learned in talking to a sports psychologist, um, who's become a great resource for me is, you know, your brain has two primary parts, right? You have the reptilian brain, what he calls red brain, and you have the, the frontal part of your brain, which is the, the exploratory systems. And you, you need that fight or flight. You need that reptilian part of your brain. It serves a purpose, but you also need to use that that frontal part of your brain, which is where the exploratory systems are, where you're engaged and connecting with people and truly like loving and having enjoyment in what you're doing. And I think it's interesting because I'm one of these people, when I look back at games that I played, I don't remember anything. Some guys are like, oh, yeah, I remember that game. We're down 2-1. And then... I rimmed it back down. Like, I don't remember anything because I think I was
2: just so fight, fight, fight all the time. Crazy. I think I, think yeah. I needed Jeff Lavecchio in my life when I was, uh, <laughs> when I was at St. Lawrence. Because all, I mean, Topher, all I was told my, and I was just stubborn in a way, but I was just told, you know, this, you're raw. You're raw. You need to, you need to get stronger. And I would just, I thought, you know, what, what's the uh, Wayne Gretzky quote you can just like, you know, you never score a goal bench pressing or something like that. And I thought it was a cool guy score goals in the weight room. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. That one, that one. And I was like, Yeah, I could just do that. But I mean, now that it's over, I just realized, you know, it's all connected, right? Like the stuff you do off the ice, your nutrition, your weight training, it directly translates to how good of a player you can be in reaching your potential. And you guys talk about it all the time. We talk about it on our podcast, like, you know, your life outside of hockey is directly connected to how you play on the ice. And it's, it's so true, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. It's one of the things that I talk about when I do my team building stuff all the time is like, you know, when we were growing up, we were told when you get to the rink, like drop everything and just focus on hockey, you know, like this is your time to focus on hockey. So whatever's going on away from the rink, you know, it should never affect you. But what a load of crap, right? I mean, what an absolute load of crap. I mean, just think about in our careers, like when we had fights with our girlfriends, it affected how we play. If we were sick, it affected how yeah. we play. I mean, if we were struggling in a certain area of our life outside of hockey, whether it was school or relationship, it, it 100%, like you, it's impossible to drop whatever you have going on um, outside the rink and just focus on hockey and so you're you're so right like the more we can take care of the things and the more effort we put into our relationships and the more thought we put into the things that we do away from it 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 uh it only helps our hockey because then we can focus on those things and we don't have any nagging stuff going on that is we're carrying with us to the rink
2: 100% 100% 100% i i remember being like sick before games like breaking up with a girlfriend and not being able to play hockey. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But George, George was
1: definitely (laughs) one of these guys that could just go out there and play. You know, you played hockey. You didn't think hockey. um, Even though you're, you're one of the smartest hockey players I've ever seen. So you were gifted in that sense, but in the weight room, you're a complete disaster. Well, let's, let's
0: dive into that a little bit, Sean, because I think that's such an interesting comment. Like he played hockey versus he thinks hockey. I, I know what you mean. But yeah. so let's 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 dive a little bit more into that. What do you mean by when you're saying that? Nice grammar there, Tony. By saying that? <laughs> <laughs> we had Matt Lashoff on a couple week a couple
1: weeks ago, and you know he's someone who like he's a songwriter, right? Yep. So I figured, hey, he probably feels everything. He's probably hyper aware, and I think I I, I feel similarly. A very sensitive young kid, and just you know. What people think, and I got to a point um, towards the end of my playing career where even I've, even if we were playing in an empty rink, I felt like there was 20,000 people just watching me try to catch a a rim, a, a rim at the blue line. Um, and and it's because I couldn't I couldn't not think. And I don't know if George ever dealt with that, but I definitely dealt with what I now would consider would be the yips for about a, over a year. And it was just because I couldn't turn that off. And I asked Matt Lashoff, like, if he felt like his maybe his brain was a little too hyper on him, like he couldn't just go out and play. And uh, that never made any sense to me. I never understood what people meant when just play, like, what do you mean? I uh, George definitely did, but some people like I'm trying to think of a player that would be a good example. Maybe they're just a little aloof and things just roll off of them. They don't, you know, they're not dumb or bricks. It's just, they don't take things uh, so seriously. Like you said, you wish you didn't, you wouldn't have taken it so seriously. And, and I was the same way. And so I don't know how you teach that. I think one, one thought I had, cause I've been thinking about this a lot is how to get, get through to a, to certain kids who i I see a lot of myself in is if you're someone who's very thoughtful and um, um, feel that you're, you're hyperactive and and can't stop thinking when you play, I think of someone like Connor Carrick, who then almost diverts those resources into what his process is, and he becomes obsessed with behaviors rather than just his thoughts. Um, So, you know, people say be engaged in the process, but what does that mean? It, It means like, taking seriously what those actions are, because your mood will follow your actions because you can't control your thoughts. You know, mood follows actions, thoughts follow your your mood. So um, I think that's kind of what I mean by that. That was a long winded way of answering the question. Oh, I,
2: I get what you're saying. And for me, you know, I, I played the game unconscious, I think. And it, it all started for me, you know, playing on the pond with my friends, Topher, and playing outside with your friends and, you know, People talk about development now, and how do you develop players? Well, it's really just letting kids play, and that's how I always viewed hockey. Like I was lucky enough to grow up near an outside uh, rink called the Lake Forest Winter Club, and it was a small three-on-three ice. And all we did every single day for nonstop was just play three-on-three in a small area. And you're just absolutely in love with the game and never want to stop playing. And uh, when I would step onto the the real ice, that's a, that's how it would feel. And it would be just those unconscious like reps and plays and just that deep love for hockey. I mean, I'm not saying I never overthought it. Obviously, you know, you get nervous before games. I was probably not the best guy to be around games. I would be super nervous, but once like the puck drops, everything else leaves your mind, leaves your body. And all you can focus on is making that breakout pass or joining the rush or getting your shot through. It's just like, you're in a different world
0: it's the flow state, right? It's the flow state. And, and, and I mean, I, I got my master's in sports studies. And so this is something that, you know, getting into the flow state, people do a lot of research on because that's when you're kind of at your peak performance. And, and I do think it comes from love. I think a flow state comes from a sense of love of, of what you're doing and being able to block out all of the distractions and and distract distractions could be anything. It could be pressure that you're putting on yourself. It could be pressure that other people are putting on you. Um, it, it could be some stuff that's going on in your personal life, whatever it may be. Like when we're in our flow state, we're just totally immersed in what we're doing. And that's why being in the present moment is such a valuable tool that we can all have. And and this is part of the team building thing that, that we do It's like for whatever reason, the way that we are wired evolutionarily. <laughs> um, it's very, very easy for human beings socially and, and whatnot to worry about the past, things that happened to you in the past and beat yourself up or second guess or whatever. That's very, very easy for us to do. It's very, very easy for us to worry about the future, things that haven't happened yet, things that you're you know, anxious about, you, you feel like you have no control over, whatever it may be. It's very, very hard to focus on the here and now right? Like it's easy to beat yourself up about past. It's easy to worry about the future. It's very, very hard to be present and and not only like focus on the here and now, but to really truly enjoy the here and now as well. And, And I think that's our greatest mistake as a society as a whole, but definitely in this youth hockey culture and what it has become is that we as adults are really, really sending wrong messages about what it means to be in the present moment, Because we talk about all of the things that nobody can control my hockey rankings, getting the scholarship, being on the best team, whatever, when at the end of the day, George, you hit the nail on the head, like we're in our flow state when we are loving and immersed and present in what we're doing. So how can we I'll I'll ask you guys because it kind of relates honestly to like what your guys' podcast is all about. is kind of looking back and looking forward, um, and learning the lessons through what you did as a, as a player and then taking that into what you're doing, um, after hockey, like how can we fix that? Like what would you guys suggest for the people who let's say are the stewards of this hockey culture that we have? How can we get back and hit a little bit of a reset where, we can get kids to truly be present with what they're doing when they're playing. Wow. tough question. I, I don't know,
1: but i while George thinks of it, I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was uh, rich Roll and Andrew Huberman, um, who's yeah. a neuroscientist. Oh, okay. He's a neuroscientist. Uh, and they cited a study that was done in California a few years ago where they took a preschool class and they found all the kids that really loved uh, to draw and color. And so they took these kids into a room every day and let them draw in color. And then all of a sudden they started giving them stickers uh, for, hey, good job, you know? Um, and they did that for a few weeks and then they stopped giving stickers. And then all of the kids didn't want to color anymore. And I had mentioned that I felt like I was someone who kind of, uh, my validation came from those external factors, what league I was in, um, what coaches said of me, uh, if I was committed you know, it was never just internally. Cause I think when you get addicted to what's going on externally and <clears throat> you, you take away a lot of agency from yourself and then you fall into the trap of just playing and, and doing anything for the wrong reason. And it's hard to fall back in love once you've, you've put that power into other people's hands. So I don't know if you're ever going to be able to change the business of minor hockey, but I think just educating you know people like you Tofer on your podcast, reminding kids that wow, this is you know so much fun. I, I was up in Drummondville the other night for a game and it was just it was a Wednesday night game. The place was packed, the smell, the music before the start of the period. and I thought to myself, geez, if I could have just you know before the start of the period, taken one second to say, how lucky am I to be here right now as a 16 year old. Um, I think it frees you up in a lot of ways to get to that flow state.
0: For sure. Yeah,
2: I, I think Sean just nailed it there. Gratitude is such a big part. But for me, I've, I've been lucky enough to have some of the best coaches in hockey. Like my dad, unbelievable coach. Um, Jack O'Callahan was one of my first coaches. OC. Oh, yeah, just unbelievable. And the list just goes on. Joe Marsh and I think Greg Carville, you know, all the things that he taught us. He gave us gifts for for life. The way I put it, just these little phrases. And going back to what you were talking about, how can we change the culture around you know youth hockey? And for me, people forget. You know, you're playing a team sport. It's a team sport. Team success. Greg Carville used to say this all the time. Team success leads to individual success. So if you can just you know think about that that you're playing on a team and you're playing a game that you're lucky to be on the ice. You're lucky to be, like Sean said, you're lucky to be there. So taking on that attitude, I think, can help dissolve all the other distractions and the pressure and all that stuff. And, you know, it's such a gift, you know, this is the best, it's the best game in the world. It's it's such a gift to be out there and enjoy it, (laughs) enjoy it. And just for anyone, for anyone listening, in
1: case at this point of the podcast thinks, who the hell are these guys? What do they know? Greg Carville, uh, who George just mentioned, told George that he was the second best defenseman he's ever coached,
0: wow. behind uh,
1: behind Kale McCarr. So I make sure I tell everyone that he's.
0: <laughs> <in>. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well piggyback that's awesome that's a pretty good praise right there yeah. he also I'll coached t- in the nhl he, i mean he coached in what anaheim yeah. when they went to the cup finals and stuff eric carlson niedermeyer no. was on that team i think holy <laughs> maybe trap. he said college player i'm sorry Maybe <laughs> uh, he said okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will edit
1: that
2: out, we'll edit that out.
0: <laughs> i do want to i do want to piggyback off what you guys are saying and and i've referenced it already in the podcast i think but like you know i travel around a, a bunch of these different colleges and different teams and, and do team building. And and one of the things, and, and this like totally hits home for all of them. Um, and for me as well. And we talk about exactly what we're talking about right now. And I asked them, I said, Hey, like, why do you guys play the game? Like, why do you play? And they all say the same thing. It's because we love to play hockey, right? Every single one of them. It's fun. I love it. Yada, yada, yada. And then the next question I asked them is, okay, well, what are you thinking about when you come to the rink? Like when you enter the rink every day, what are you thinking about, and are you think like? And none of them are thinking about that. It's you know, what line am I on on the whiteboard? It's what's practice going to be like? It's what mood is coach going to be in today? You know, all of these external things that we have no control over, and and then I kind of ask the question. I'm like, hey, like, how much better would you be as a hockey player, and how much more would you enjoy it if your sense of what you're thinking about when you come to the rink is about love. It's about enjoyment. It's about, I, I get to do this every day. Like, are you kidding me? I'm a division one athlete. I get to come play hockey. What a ple like, what a pleasure. How lucky am I to be able to do this? And it's so funny because you read the body language and you guys have spoken in front of people before you read the body language of them. And it's almost like this, this cloud of just mistfulness, um, just washes over them. And like the, the monkey is kind of off the back and the shoulders kind of like just the, the pressure almost just like seats and like, man, and, and, and they kind of look like it makes a lot of sense. How much better of a player could I be if I wasn't thinking so much about how much I need to be a great player. (laughs) And I put my focus on just truly enjoying what i get to do with these guys that i would take a bullet for every day um and it's just you look back on it and that's one of my failures as a player is is there i just could never wrap my head around it i loved it and i knew that i did but it those were not you talk about the thoughts and the actions and stuff like that like i needed to honestly have a journal that i would write in every day i play hockey because i love to play hockey not i play hockey to prove people wrong or i play hockey to make the nhl or whatever whatever those thoughts are which all of us have those are common because those
1: are common too everybody has them yeah and when you're in those states it's hard to come at it from a place of love like you said it's hard to connect with other people um and so like george said like team first almost tricks your brain into not thinking and worrying about yourself you know
0: for sure for sure and I've I've told the story on my podcast before Um, one of the people who's one of the best people in the game of hockey guy named Will Nickel and I've probably told this story on the podcast before but he was my my junior coach when I was in Chicago my last year he's the director of player development for Vegas right now And so, so one of the things that he did at the beginning of the season is he came in and had these, you know, those packets you get in the preseason. And to your point, the, you know, the individual success comes from team success. And in like USHL back in the day, like you went to the USHL to get a scholarship. It wasn't like everybody kind of had one already before getting there. And he slaps his packet on the table and, okay, look at the teams who were top in the league last year. All right. These are the ones with the most scholarships. And it's not because they had better players. It's because team success comes before individual success. If we win and we're doing the things we need to, people are going to kind of want to come watch (laughs) you because that's what we're all looking for at the next level is team guys and people who can fit a culture and fit an an identity and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff gets lost too. I mean, we, we worry about so much shit that like we have no control over. And in reality, all it does is it bites us in the ass, right? 100%. Hundred yeah. percent. I thing think every is,
1: every, every U uh, fourteen team and older needs a sports psychologist. I think that's that's the answer to your question. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know? And I mean, the other thing is, like, you just don't know how long you're going to be able to play hockey for. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, you're you're lucky to get to play midget AAA. You're lucky if you get to play Division One or Division Three or even club hockey. So, like, you know, and I mean, we've all learned this that like. Once the game ends, not to get into life after hockey part, or yeah, life after hockey, but if you want to talk about it, like life after hockey is not easy. It, it's going to be tough. You have to get a real job. You got to earn a paycheck to support your family. All things in p- comparison to hockey are just so, you know, different, right? Like these are actually real issues you have to face every day. So that's the other thing, just seeing it now from the other side. I, um, you know, I would have a totally different attitude, but like we said before, that's life you you live and you learn,
0: but I think that's just an important message. Well, I want to dive into that a little bit more because I, I do think that the health of our, like, if we, if we put everything we have into this hockey thing, I think the health of that journey very much can be, uh, a plus or a minus into your life after hockey. Like there are still some anxiety things that I am dealing with right now at 36 and I stopped playing hockey competitively at what, 25. So 11 years later, like there are still things that I am dealing with anxiety wise that relate to when I played, you know? So, as, as coaches and as mentors and for all the players that are listening, like you got to make sure that you're taking care of your mental health as you're going through the process because you do, you give it everything. Most people give it everything that they have. They have a goal and they have a dream and they go all in and I think there's something so pure and I think there's something so unbelievably great for your personal, personal development in doing that but I think it's important to take a step back also as you're going through it to make sure that you're treating yourself right because... It doesn't. And that's what your guys' podcast is all about is kind of dissecting a lot of that and how the two worlds, you know, pre-hockey, in hockey, post hockey, how they all connect to each other. And it's uh it's it's just crazy how um, it all connects, right?
1: And it's it's interesting to think to the guests that we've had. I mean, the best players that we've had, whether like Pronger or Bork or St. Louis. Um, Mike Richter, I mean, I don't know if you'd expect it or not, but they didn't struggle with the anxiety and, and worry. They, one of the common themes is they kind of just took everything as it came to them and they're all confident in their, in different ways, but, um, it's like the chicken or the egg. Did they make it because they weren't anxious or, um, did they not have to be anxious because they were so good? (laughs) <laughs> but, but,
2: um, I was um, gonna ask going to, uh, going to the anxiety stuff, Topher. I was gonna ask you guys both do you, do you guys still have the dream where you can't get your, uh, your skates on in the locker room when the game starts? <laughs> So I, I do. I, I still have that dream to this oh, day. I have the best Where the game anxiety. is starting, the game no. is starting, and you can't get your skates on, and you're like Guys, locked in the locker room. <laughs> I have the best
1: hockey anxiety nightmare ever, so I never had very good hands to begin with. <laughs> and my recurring dream to this day is that I'm playing in a game, and sometimes it's like getting called up playing in the NHL, and in the game, I'm using a plastic fork as a stick. Like – Not stick size, but, you know, like a regular fork, plastic. Like trying to shoot on my knees with a plastic fork. Going off the rails. How unbelievable is that?
0: Really? That's is—that's actually incredible.
1: And it it happens frequently. (laughs) Wow. You know, it's crazy. That is funny.
0: I have, wow, it's so funny that we're talking about this right now because I have like two different kinds of hockey dreams. One is like that anxiety kind of stuff. And George, I, I don't have like the skate thing, but it's like getting to a game. But like there's a comedy of errors, whatever it is, that's not allowing me to to get into the game. How funny would it be if there's people listening to this? And they're like, oh, my God, they have that, too, because I'm sitting here yeah. thinking I'm the only one. So I'm glad to know that I'm not.
1: Yeah, if anyone else, please, please connect. We'll <laughs> yeah. start a support group for uh, <laughs> for us.
0: Bad hockey, dudes. But I also, like, on the flip side, I have some dreams where I'm, like, back in the saddle. And I'm playing competitive hockey again. And I wake up, honestly, from those dreams in the best mood and ready to tackle the day. And they don't, like, neither of these dreams happen that often. But the the good ones, when it does happen, and you guys know, when you get back to, like, playing hockey in, like, a semi, whether it's, like, an alumni, whenever... It's like people that are playing know the game and it gets a little bit competitive and the hockey looks like it's how it's supposed to look. It's not like your typical beer league game. Like that for me, that is the best. I I, I get so much pleasure out of playing in those types of games. Um, but it is funny how you guys are talking about those dreams <laughs> because they haunt me. It does. It's crazy. And it's almost, it's, it's one of the like, you want to play again so bad, you miss it so much that it's like, you had this opportunity to get back into it for whatever it is in your dream. And then for whatever reason, the dream's not allowing you to do it. It's crazy.
2: Well, we actually actually had a dream
1: that I was back in Sioux city with the same coach, like as a 33 year old (laughs) trying and and like in trying to make this team again. And uh, he was, he was an old school coach. He's probably the best coach I've ever had, but the type of coach that would, you know, if I was the seventh or eighth defenseman, he'd bring in, he'd bring the two of us in and say, Hey, one of you guys at the end of this week is gone. We're going to only carry 70. And so there was this constant pressure and, you know, I ended up playing great weeks of practice after those meetings and and never being that guy that was on his way out until I was, but um, yeah, it's the anxiety you care so much and you have to care. It's, it's the best. So I don't know if you can ever go through it without the worry, but to George's point about it, can't, you know, you have to be singularly focused on hockey because it takes so much to make it, and the odds are so against you. So why not go all in? Yeah. But at the same time, we find in, in talking with successful people in hockey, outside of hockey, they have other interests that feed, and this is where I was going until I lost my train of thought. And now it's five three Edmonton. But uh, they have other interests that like feed their development as a human and as a hockey player it's not just hockey fortnight hockey fortnight maybe it's hockey and in reading or or fitness or your nutrition and that's what i think being engaged in the process is is finding all of these other uh ancillary things that can can feed the uh your your fuel your fire along the way yeah and it's not just showing up and scoring or you know Uh, the X's and O's of the game. It's everything else. 100%.
2: Um, Going back to like, you know, dealing with how much you miss it. And I'm a complete psycho with this stuff. And, um, you know, being on the ice and practice every day, Topher, we joked about this when you came on our podcast. Like I want to jump in every drill. Like I'm in shape now. I'm rollerblading every day in my mind. Like I'm, I'm making a comeback like tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like that's how much I really miss it, but it just goes back to that it's all connected. Like, if you're, if you're working out every day, if you're, you know, doing your homework or reading books, it's probably going to help you in whatever podcasting or help you as a coach. And all I can do now is really pass it on to the the kids that we, that the kids that I coach. So that's my, that's my point of view on it.
0: Is there any, so you guys are are in the, let's call it mentoring coaching business right now and in different ways but you're still doing the same thing where you're making an impact on kids is there any certain thing or any certain story that you guys talk about that you feel like really resonates with the kids that you're advising or coaching
1: i think one thing i consistently remind younger guys of is i think this is because of the social media generation they they just know the best players they just know the players that were first round picks or played at the national program or played world juniors i mean I don't think they know the free agents that are signing out of college that you know even NHL Scouts might not hear of until they're they're playing college hockey. Um, so I just asked them or, or just kind of paint a picture for them and ask them, okay, if you were trying to land a plane um, and you only had a hundred yards and you'd never landed a plane before, uh, you'd be pretty nervous. But if you had miles and miles of a runway to land this plane and multiple cracks at it, you know, would you be less nervous? And and just remind them that for every first round pick, there's a guy that no one heard of that made it and, and, um, you know, cite the, the, the average age of a college freshman and just how many highs and lows there are, um, because you'll just exhaust yourself. If you're, you're too high or too low. Cause there's too many waves.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I have a couple yeah. that come to mind. I remember being maybe a Bantam Topher and doing like a, a training practicing in the summer and somehow Dennis Savard was on the ice running it. And I remember after the practice was over, he took me in the locker room and he's like, Hey, like you got a shot at this, you know, like, I really like your game. And during that moment, I completely blacked out and I like, It just like all I could think about was, oh, my God, like Dennis Savard is talking to me. But I think there's going to be certain moments in in players' careers when someone's going to try to instill a belief in you. And I think it's on you to believe that it's happening for a reason and to believe in yourself as a player. Because I think part of my problem is like David Quinn talked about this on our podcast. Like if you're going to be good, you better freaking believe that you're good. And I always thought, oh, you know, I'm not that good. I'm not that good. But no, no, you are that good. So do something about it. Second one, I almost lost my captaincy at, at St. Lawrence. I don't think I really ever told anyone this, but you know I like the to party, Topher and Sean, I like the party and I got, I got I was kept getting in trouble, kept getting in trouble with just doing stupid stuff, like setting off fire alarms, like just ridiculous <laughs> stuff that like a captain shouldn't be doing, you know what I mean because I thought I was like a cool college guy, and I remember Greg Carvel like almost took away my captaincy and like when I got that um, message, I was like. Holy shit. Like I couldn't imagine like losing, losing my, my, my A, you know, like that meant so much to me. And like the the thought, the thought that I even like would put that on the line is just so ridiculous. So uh, just that maturity part. And I think, like I said, the other one is that, you know, the little things matter, like Brendan Nash coming up to me and saying like, Hey, like control your body language. Like it's unacceptable. It's, it's completely unacceptable. Like I think I needed to hear like the hard things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it is interesting how you talk about two of those kind of seminal moments in, in your life that still stick with you years later, how, and I think this is interesting to think about as a coach, like on one hand it was belief, somebody believed in you, and on the other hand it was somebody holding you accountable, which which in ways is, is I don't want to say opposites, but certainly closer to opposites than maybe similarities. And so it is a delicate thing as a coach to try to instill both of those with your players, right? Because you do have to have this sense of belief where the players that you're, you know, in charge of leading You've, they feel like you believe in them because that that's a huge thing. But also at the same time, you have to find a way to, to hold them accountable when they're not reaching those standards of those that belief that you have for them or that they need to have for themselves. And it's a it's a delicate act that you have to. But I feel like the best coaches kind of do that. I feel like Carve is really good at that. Um, I don't know him that well, um, but I know a lot of guys that coached with him. And I feel like that's a gift that he has and a lot of o- other really good coaches is that – knowing kind of when to put the arm around and I believe in you. And then no one went to, as Jeff says, pee-pee whack you um, when, uh, when things need to be addressed. And, uh, but that's, that's tough. And it, it, I feel like it all goes back to relationships. It all goes back to how well, you know, the people that you're leading or playing with um, if you're the leader of a team and the more you get to know each other, number one, you'll, the more you'll be able to know when to do one or the other, but number two, when you're giving that message, especially the accountability one, they'll believe you and they'll want to change or they'll want to do some things differently. And that, that is a tough thing to do as a coach. It takes a lot of work on people stuff.
2: (laughs) And the honesty part of it too. Like just, you know, giving a hard, honest message is that's been hard for me as a young coach at the beginning. Like you don't want to break someone's heart, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to be honest with the player because that's really, I think, what matters most, right? As yeah. hard as it is sometimes.
0: It's like that, uh, you guys watch Ted Lasso?
1: I tried. I thought after a couple episodes, I thought, geez, this must be the most overrated show of all time. Oh, my Everyone God. Talks about it. I get, get off, get off my it.
0: podcast right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it another try.
0: No, they, uh, they, there's this thing where they do like Oklahoma, where they like have to tell the truth to each other. And that's where like things get resolved a little bit. Yeah. And uh, but there is there's something very uh, there's something very kind of like just pure, you know, in a relationship thing when you feel vulnerable enough and you feel confident enough to both be honest with somebody else, but also receive the honesty, however tough that honesty might be and, uh, in the relationship. But again, it all comes down to just putting that time and effort into getting to know each other and, and building that trust and, and rapport where you can do that.
2: Yeah. And putting, putting your ego away too, right? Like can't let your ego get in way, get in the way of the truth, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So before we let you guys go here, um, I do want to talk about your guys' podcast. We've been talking about it a little bit as we've been kind of going, but we haven't like totally addressed it. And Vex and I have been on the podcast before. How many episodes are you guys in now? You got to be a ton of episodes in too.
1: 80, 82. 82. Awesome.
0: And so if you can... Um, just tell our listeners a little bit about what the podcast is, what your goal is and in, in maybe when you started the podcast and maybe how that goal has shifted now that you're 80 some odd episodes in and stuff. Um, just, just talk to us a little bit about it and what it means to you and, and what you're trying to accomplish.
1: George, you want to take this one or do you oh, want me man. to start?
0: uh you start which one's the talent which one's the jeff levecchio which is the talent of the
1: uh, i mean i think i'm the talent I'm, I'm, <laughs> what did i say i had a funny quote in one of our episodes but uh no like the, the roles are reversed right like i'm the skilled guy now Hughesy's he's the the I'm grinder. grinder i'm the yeah. grinder but tell um, yeah tell
2: us how it all started sean from from the very beginning back,
1: like a couple weeks into covid and um i've always been you know I, I consider myself something like, I, you know, uh, extrovert in the sense that I I like talking, I, I like meeting new people. I have an, I have opinions, um, and I'm I've always been a little weary of sharing these opinions and what my philosophies are. And I took a long break from hockey. I was out of it for probably six years, and then maybe two years in prior to COVID, I figured out, hey, I I have something to say. I'm passionate about the things I've learned in looking back on my own playing career. And so, Husey, my brother, uh, and I decided to just start a podcast like everyone else during COVID. And um, we didn't really commit to anything other than just recording one episode. Husey came up with a horrible name at first. We had no direction. His idea for a podcast was Sticks in the Middle, and I kept telling him like, this isn't, you know, spitting chiclets. This isn't, we're not just like talking hockey. We need to have a theme because I don't (laughs) want to just talk about hockey. Um. Uh, so I don't know how we came up with the name next well actually no it was it was a mantra of George's he had you know um, kind of done some reconciling with his own playing career and trying to motivate himself to figure out uh, what to do next after getting laid off as a producer at NBC when COVID hit and so next shift was was the, his mantra. And he said it to us a couple of times. We said, that's a, it's kind of a great name for a podcast or a hockey brand. And, and maybe we interview retired players and figure out, you know, learn from them what they learned, what they regret and, and what they're doing now, what's made them successful in life after hockey. Um, and like you said, uh, tof I mean, on your podcast, you talk about everything. It's self-betterment, it's uh, psychology, um, everything. So, that's been a relief for us because a few episodes in, we're like, "How? What are we gonna do?" Just ask them how they got this job and this business. Like, "Hey, who? You know, how'd you network?" Like that would get boring pretty fast. But I think it became clear to us that this was enough of a a theme to envelop all of these other areas that that drive people's success uh, in the game
2: and out of it. What I forget, Yusey? No, I mean I think. I think you nailed it. And just to piggyback, I mean, just you guys know how it is. The hockey community in itself is just so incredible. And every guest we had on from the beginning, all they could say is, how can we help you? I want to help, you know, get, get this guy for you. Yeah, I'm going to spread the word. And that just has given us the, you know, the motivation to, to go on. Because, I mean, Toph, you know how it is. It's not really easy in the beginning and, and you got to fail pretty much. You got to be very bad at podcasting before you can get someone decent. And just getting over that fear of like, hey, we're actually like, putting this out there to people to listen to was like, pretty hard for us at the beginning. But you kind of just venture into that, that unknown space and just keep, you know, searching and finding that, hey, maybe we can do this. Maybe we have a shot. And like I said, in the beginning, it's like, it's people like yourselves that um, I would listen to and, you know, take pieces from and you guys would kind of just inspire inspire me and um, took it from there but yeah it's you know the big that, theme is the th- big theme is life after hockey we talked about a little bit so far and just like you know the culture about around life after hockey when we were playing there there wasn't one it was just oh things will kind of work out you know Oh I'll get a job but like you know we're trying to preach you know what uh, it's not going to be easy and you should prepare for the end because the, the end is going to come And it's not, it's going to be hard. So instead of waiting and just hoping that it's going to work out, um, you can take some steps like, you know, networking and reach out to people to make that transition easier because you spend your whole life dedicated to, to the game, right? We love the game. You play it since three years old. Hey, I'm a hockey player. All I know is hockey. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's over and you lose your identity. And a lot of guys like myself can get lost and can go to drinking, can go to bad places to try to cope with it, but we're trying to change that uh, that culture around it. And and I think we've learned
1: is, and we talk about it all the
2: time is you have to own your
1: story. Everyone's story is unique, and and you said it, Topher, and your podcast allows people to tell tell their story, and um, and, and we want to do the same. So, and we've also found that, like I mentioned, that that quick story about me getting traded and using it in an interview story. You you can't part ways with that. Like this was your story. It it's ultimately your brand if if you you accept it and and have pride in how you dealt with the things that got in your way. And and that's gonna propel you as you move forward through life. And so we wanted to just whether someone was a stud as a young hockey player and then played division three. Hey, that's a story. Well, someone you know it's it's easy for the guys that made it, but they they have sometimes uh, deeper parts or unknown parts of that story that make theirs unique. Um, and I remember, I think we first got in touch, Toph, a couple of years ago because Nick Petrucci is a, is a best friend of both Husey and mine. And his story was, you know, when, when we were all hanging out in college, before college, like he was, he was a first-round pick. He was going to the NHL and, and it didn't happen. He played one game. And he made it, but it it didn't go as he had planned. And so we saw his evolution as the game was kind of fading from his grip and and what the transition was like for him. Um, and it, it's that way for everyone. So I I think I put you guys on an email with with Trex back a couple of years ago, and then we had him on, um, I think, our
2: first episode, They Get Going, second. Oh, nice, yeah. And the one other message, real quick, we just like to preach, is like, yeah, hockey is over, but you don't lose – you know, all the things that made you a great hockey player and your hockey player mindset, like take that mindset of winning that corner battle, you know, getting bag skated, like Sean kind of mentions all the adversity and all the hardships that you've experienced as a hockey player gives you an, an advantage in, in your life after hockey. And I think that's taken us a little bit of time to understand.
0: It's funny you say that I'm thinking about like the things in my real life that I can correlate with uh like the corner battle that would be like last night when my four month old is uh not sleeping <laughs> you know yeah. like just certain things that's like a three and three in pro hockey yeah. in three different cities right or in and tomorrow hockey. you're
1: traveling again so i mean yeah. you work your butt off too so we just want to thank you for for having us on allowing us to tell our story i will say it's a lot harder to be a guest than it is a host um <laughs> Usually when I'm a host, I'm like, okay, that one, that one was a good one. That one was okay. As a guest, I'm like, I, I have no idea. Yeah. You so you sure. can
0: be so judgy after you get done. Right. <laughs> yeah. And most of them are really good. Like most yeah. of them are, are really good. And then there's some that really hit and you're like, yeah. Oh, that oh, was, yeah. that was awesome. Um, I, I do. We talked about this before, um, before coming on before we press record and and you touched on it a little bit though. And I think it is something to really, hone in on a little bit because it's so important and that's identity and it, because that's a huge part of your guys's podcast and a huge part of the journey of people figuring out what the hell they're going to do once hockey is done whether they're 18 when that happens or whether then they're 40 and that happens it happens to everybody and and you go back to it hockey is a sport and, and maybe other sports are like it I don't know but hockey is a sport where everybody kind of goes all in I shouldn't say everybody, but it's, it's common to go all in. Parents go all in. (laughs) Kids go all in. Um, uh, You know, coaches are full time jobs, even in youth hockey, like they're going all in. And so you get you, you get this piece of you and this whole piece of you where this is who I am. I am a hockey player. And I know that's what a lot of people struggle with once they get out is they have to figure out this other piece of them and figure out another identity. I, mean, I don't know if another identity, but maybe they have to shift their identity to being something else when all that they've, they've known for so long is just being the singularly focused hockey player. Um something that I've struggled with. I'm sure you guys did at at some point when you were getting out of it too. So what have you guys learned with your Next Shift podcast in focusing that? And and I know you've talked a lot about it. We talked about it when I came on and Jeff and I came on to your podcast. What have you learned about that process of shifting your identity and figuring out a new piece of your identity and not being so singularly focused on hockey when you don't have it anymore?
1: I think it can start at a young while people are still playing and, you know, I, I get relieved when I see young players after games that may not have played well, but they're still positive. And, you know, they're not a wreck like I probably used to be after I had a crappy game. Um, So I, maybe that comes naturally to some. And, but then when it, when you retire, I mean, the best thing that happened to me was that I, I pretty much quit hockey after my sophomore year of college. I, I transferred to Babson college didn't play, had surgery on both my hips, and was a normal college student uh, my junior and senior year. So I, I could struggle through that in a totally new environment. And, and focusing on just school for the first time was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. And I had time on my side. I didn't have a family. I, I was just by myself figuring it out. Um, but like George said, that's what we we try to remind guys that you, you're still a hockey player and, and you should be mindful and, and do a retrospective on on what happened and, and what you learned and, and cherish those memories. But I think like I talked about how you can get out of your head is by taking action and how mood follows action. And so um, do something. That's what, you know, is a big theme on our podcast, whether it's a aspiring entrepreneur who wants to start a business when they're done playing or um, needs to get a job. Like so many guys have just said, don't wait, do something. Um, because you can't correct course unless you're moving towards something.
0: That's um, So advice, pick yeah. any
1: target, go after it. It's probably not going to be the right thing. It's you'll probably change, but you, you need to get going because it it doesn't just, if you leave it unattended and don't address it, I mean, it's not just going to magically happen.
2: Yeah, we, we love the game so much, like we said. So it's so easy to wrap your whole identity into hockey. But Chuck thus said this on our podcast, a former Miami of Ohio goalie, and it just hit me so hard. Um, it, he said about hockey and being a hockey player, it doesn't make you who you are. It's just something you did really well. And that like just hit home so hard for me. I was like, no, such a simple thing. (laughs) It's so simple, but it's so true. And he's just like, just like a doctor does things really well, just like a teacher does things really well. And I was like, oh my God, it's true. Like I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. But I think part of our message too is like find, find your next hockey, you know it might not and the be the last high. thing
1: yeah like the last thing and it's important to note is i think a lot of guys have this embarrassment i definitely did i was like what i i didn't even play a meaningful college game like i i'm afraid to even walk into a rink you know and after being out of the game you go to your first fall classic and see maybe guys you played with that are now coaching or scouting and you're like the new kid at school you you feel like i don't should i be here i mean i remember having those those thoughts but you learn really quickly that you're always a part of that community and everyone wants to help out and come and, and, and try to help connect you with someone. And all you have to do is ask, I mean, all we had to do was ask Chris Pronger to come on our podcast on Instagram. And he did, I mean, it's, it's, it's not rocket science.
0: Yeah. The hockey community is really cool like that. I remember when I first got the job at Cornell and you go into your first fall classic or big showcase tournament when everybody's there, you know, Um, and, and you get kind of nervous and you find out pretty quick that everybody wants to help you. Um, I, I've told the story uh, on the podcast after Red Gendron passed away. Um, but I don't know if you guys knew Red, uh, um, but he was the head coach at Maine for those of you that don't. And I remember one of my first tournaments going on recruiting, we were rivals. He was at Yale and I was at Cornell and he put his arm around me and said, Hey kid, come watch a couple periods with me. You know, and uh, and watched, and he's a legend. Won national championships at Maine, one national championship at Yale. Just a larger than life personality. Rest in peace, man. Um, and then the other thing was, I remember Dave Hackstall, who's coaching now with the Kraken, Seattle, but he was with North Dakota at the time. I remember seeing him down in Florida uh at the college coaches convention and and you know I had no idea you don't think Dave Taxtal knows who we are uh but he came up to me, like made a point to come up to me as we were walking by each other. I was kind of like, you know, doing the head down smile but kind of nod kind of thing. Hey Mr. Hackson, there you are. And uh he said, hey Tove, how you doing? And I said, Oh hey, hey coach, how are you? He said, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm really excited that you're getting into coaching. Um, I remember you as a player, you, you played with a lot of passion and we need more people like that in there. And, and I was just like, wow, Wow. like no kidding. Like that was, that made my day, (laughs) made my year, Um, but the hockey community is, is, and, and I think that's good for a lot of people to know, like just little gestures like that go a long way with people, like little things, like the little things that your coaches say, or your peers say from a positive standpoint, um, that, that can, we're sitting here talking about it. Uh, and each of us have had, have shared a story like that in this podcast, 10, 15, 20, 25 years later, you remember just a little thing that somebody did for you that, uh, that maybe put a smile on your face. And if we could do that a little bit more, I think that would be great. But that's what makes the hockey community so special is I feel like there are a lot of people who uh, who go out of their way to kind of do that for you, which is neat, which is really nice. Makes you feel like yeah. a part of the brotherhood, you know? It's amazing what a little, just a little word like that can do to,
2: to build you up and and be a person that builds people up, you know? Be that person that gives other people, that inspires other people. Don't Don't be the energy, you know, vampire right bringing people down like pump people's tires that's what i'm about <laughs> feeling
1: go. down call a <laughs> pusey i like but, it uh, this well, has been awesome tof yeah Here i am I'm th- i think i'm the host i'm signing off <laughs> sign yeah,
0: off go ahead on. do it i i like it no hey. tof this has been awesome i uh, stay
2: Yeah. We'll talk about our uh, AAA days at CYA. There we go. Hey, you know
0: what though? I do, uh, I do have to, because Vex isn't here and we're not going to do an intro for this one. I do have to thank our our sponsors, uh, before we get off. So if you guys don't mind indulging me in this, but, uh, we do have awesome sponsors. Like these guys are, and like, they fit in with what we're talking about and all of this stuff. They're just good hockey people that want to provide some, some great services and great stuff for the hockey community, starting with gel sticks. Who's our title sponsor, uh, John Lounsbury, who we've had on the podcast, uh, part owner of that, um, just wants to make hockey players better that's what he's dedicated his life to and gel sticks is uh, a weighted training stick that can help you uh, with your shot they also have golf clubs and lacrosse sticks for all you golf and lacrosse fans out there so um, you know a lot of people going to be in the basement now that you can't be shooting pucks outside so uh, grab a gel sticks for uh, to make your shot better go to gel stx.com use the coupon code think tank one word and you can get a discount on your weighted training stick also train heroic train heroic is Jeff's training app who Sean, I believe, I don't know if it was on the podcast or before the podcast, but yeah,
1: I am, I am a customer.
0: You are, you are using I, it, it right now. I'll give
1: that the Sean coffee stamp of approval.
0: Did Vex give you a discount at least? No, he didn't. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> it's it's worth guys. It's worth the $30 a month. Train like an athlete. It's all there on your phone. Um, stay in shape. <laughs> I, I let it slip for a little bit but i when we were in st louis for nationals i hooked up with vex went to his gym met in person the first time it's like we were long lost you know buddies and uh he put me in what's his name the d-man there who was, was in the khl last year chris uh weidman yeah yeah i worked out with a pro so got me right back in shape after just one workout
0: so there you go. There you go, train heroic. Got a nice little testimonial right there. Yeah, yeah. And then thank you to icehockeysystems.com. These guys are salt of the earth people and uh, they provide such a great resource for all of us. I use it to plan all my practices. It's something you can share with everybody in your organization. We've partnered with them to do an association platform where you get not only thousands of drills and whiteboard explanations, but uh, you can uh, draw drills up and send them out to everybody in your organization. We've also partnered with them and giving them our hockey think tank parent survival guide so with the association uh platform you get uh free access that you can send to all your parents their hockey parent survival guide which for you hockey directors out there can save you a lot of stress
1: <laughs> and quick note on ice hockey systems uh usually remember when i used to coach i'd be to you hey send me drills and so finally i came across ice hockey systems became a subscriber Saved me a ton of time, folks. Is that, that when you were coaching, yeah.
2: coaching in jeans?
1: Yeah. No, that happened one time.
0: That no. happened one time. Oh, oh, you yeah. were that guy one time. Oh, one no. Time. <laughs> oh, man. One time. Oh, one time.
1: And I think it was my first practice, too.
0: That oh, is amazing. Yikes. Yeah, well, yeah. first and probably the last where you had yeah. jeans on, because I'm sure you were getting some crap yeah. from people for doing yep. that. Yeah, yeah. And so then last –
2: Go ahead, Go ahead, George. Right. What was that? No, no, you you finish, finish your business. I like <laughs>
0: all, it. Right. all right. And lastly, as I'm sure you guys do every podcast too, we just want to thank the listeners. Uh, you guys are the reason why we do this. I'm sure you guys are the reason why, why George and Sean continue to do their, podcast as well. And so we want to thank you for supporting us. It's been three years now. I got to get the exact date of when the first one came out, but, um, we do this all for you. We do, we grind it, we grind it podcast games, a bit of a grind sometimes that's for sure. Um, but we want to make sure that we're, uh, we're helping people and providing some perspective. And, uh, we just so appreciate everybody that reaches out, whether it's, uh, feedback uh, officially, uh, with ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you know, or just, uh, when you shoot us questions over Twitter or Instagram, Jeff has a blue check mark for everybody that doesn't know that I kind of say that every episode now though. So I think everybody who listens knows that <laughs> at this point, uh, he does have his GMBM clothing line and one of his sweatshirts legitimately has a blue check mark on it. So and now uh, it's trademarked. And now it is trademarked. That's yes. right. I did see that. I Congratulations, did see that. Vex. Vex, that a boy. He's worked his ass off to get all that stuff and get her going. So, But thank you, everybody, for, for tuning in to all these. Sean, George, thank you guys so much for uh, for coming on the podcast here. And, uh, George, you want to – Yeah, no, I, I was just
2: – I gave Sean a hard time there. But I used to get, like, the worst coaching anxiety, like coming up with practice plans and, like, looking in the stands, like what parents were, like, watching me. But – that's beside the point. Uh, I wanted to thank, like you said, the hockey community, the hockey parents out there too. Shout out to the hockey parents that make all the sacrifices for, uh, you know, kids that love this great game and it's veterans day. So thank you to our veterans and yes, um, for, you know, protecting, um, protecting us. Freedom is not free. And thank you, Topher and Jeff, for having us on. This means the world to us, honestly. Yeah, thanks, such a fun conversation. It does mean a lot. And it's uh, nextshifthockey.com for our little ad read. Thank there
0: you. we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and, uh, I love it. Well, just to reiterate, thank you to all of our service members out there. We're not able to do this yes. podcast without you. And for our, our friends up north, uh, Remembrance Day as well. Um, so uh, we appreciate all of you um, who put everything on the line to to be able to Um, let other people have freedom and for us to do the things that we do so uh, we so appreciate everything that you do and uh, thank you everybody thanks fellas and uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up soon